Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Sebastian. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Life is good. It's a blessing to have you on here today. Like I was mentioning before the call, I'm like, I saw you on Instagram and just the way that you speak, your energy, your flow, all the things. I'm just like, I got to connect with him. He is an absolute rock star. So thank you so much for being here today. Can't wait to get into your story and all of the things. Now, first question. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend? And first of all, I appreciate you inviting me to be on the podcast. I'm excited to chat with you and, and hopefully we'll be able to unpack some things today that will help others. Inspiration is an interesting thing to me on, on a couple of different levels when we talk about that. Like, well, what are those moments, those triggers or those, those turning points in your life? And I don't know, I don't recall a single one. I dropped into this particular lifetime, very aware of my reason for being here, which I don't know is terribly common yet. But so I, I kind of came in on a mission. A lot of my early life experiences certainly taught me a lot of the lessons necessary to be able to do the work that I'm doing now. But I don't know that there was any single moment that I can point to that's like, yeah, this is the moment where I decided it was mostly a, a journey. It's mostly the, I think I spent most of my time learning the lessons necessary to be able to teach energetically from a place that can shift consciousness. And that was a lot of it was my own life lessons. So if you hear my content, a lot of my content is, me going through and doing the work of understanding these truths in a meat suit. I love it. Oh my God. So question for you, it seems like you've been spiritually aware. I think you just like came into this life and you were just born wise, but what did you want to be as a kid? Like, what was your dream? I think early life associations were, I was just curious about the world and I still am. So I'm very curious about the third dimension, the intensity or the density of the energy here and, and how beings show up and how we participate is interesting to me. So I was very interested in science, very interested in astronomy, why things are the way they are. And that's never really changed. Uh, I'm obsessed with knowledge. I'm obsessed with reading. I love, I love understanding the world or making sense of it or really my orientation now is how do people make sense of it? Like how do, you know, their perception of the world we're living in. So early life was a lot of science, a lot of curiosity. And then as, as I got older, I was raised by a single mom and that had certainly shaped a lot of my early life views. I know that was the conditions I wanted to drop in under for a number of reasons we can unpack if you want. But part of that was I learned very early around provision and gotten into business. My first business I started when I was 11 years old, someone out of necessity. I was trying to help my mom uh, with the finances and I went to go try to get a job and hit a bunch of doors, offered to work. Nobody would hire me and I was so confused and like a willing, able body, why would you not hire me? I later found out it was, well, because it's illegal to hire an 11 year old to go work for your company. So, but God bless the United States. It's not illegal to start your own company, right? You can't work for somebody else at 11, but you can run your own business at 11. It's capitalism <laughs> at its finest. So I started my first business at 11 years old and learned a lot of really early life lessons that helped me. This book I still have, probably the first book I wrote on, I read on personal development, you can tell it's pretty well aged at this point, but I read it when I was 11, talking about just being resourceful and using the things in your environment. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. 
And this time of year, like July, August, and you know, on uh, blackberries grow pretty much everywhere. It's like a weed. And so I hired all my brother's friends, my friends. We picked blackberries all summer. And I learned the leverage of other people's time. And then I'd call the local restaurants and undersell what they were buying for for a few dollars. And we made enough money that summer to, to pay for our, our first weight sets and give my mom back a bunch of money. And I realized then like working for somebody else, the only reason to work for somebody else was for an education. And my mom worked her butt off and she worked for an amazing dude. He took care of us. He was a, a dentist. So she managed his office and he was certainly good to our family, but no matter how hard she worked, she only made X amount of dollars, right? That was the exchange. Your salaried employee, you make X amount of dollars no matter what. And I never understood why someone would put themselves in that environment. Now, for a number of reasons, it may be best, but for how I'm hardwired, I was like, I would never want to work in an environment where no matter how hard I work, I'm still only making X amount of dollars. I want to be paid on performance because it's just, you get so much more amplitude or leverage off of what you're doing. So I think business and politics kind of became more interesting to me around puberty. And then I kind of just took off on that direction. That's amazing, Sebastian. You just had 11 years old. I'm the same way. I was 10, man. We <laughs> yeah, no, were Shannon. I went into from there. I eventually went into food service. I worked for restaurants and loved. Learned how. Started as a disher and, and uh, worked all the way up into management and loved serving and bartending. While I was in college, it was fun. So there's a lot you learn about people through that process. Oh my goodness, yes. And I think that starting at such a young age, and I mean the fact that you read think and grow rich when you were 11 is like mind-blowing man I didn't get to that I think I wasn't it was until I was like 23 something like that and I listened to it I listened to it on audio on my way to New York and I'm sitting there like wow <laughs> I was like this makes so much sense <laughs> yes. it was mind-blowing and then just being in business business at such a young age and like seeing that hustle and having that drive and it's amazing to me the skill sets that you pull up people always ask me too they're like Pam like how do you get your communication skills and all the things and I'm like honestly it's because I was exposed to people at such a young age I see what they want I see how they react body language verbal non-verbal all of the things 100%. and like it, it's like, and then multitasking, you learn in the restaurant industry, like it's nobody's business. So I can have 17 things going on at the same time and I'm just chilling and people are like, Pam, you give me anxiety with the things that you tell me, <laughs> let alone me like hearing about it or actually doing it. I'm like, I don't know. It's like a magic trick, if you will. Like in your experience, Sebastian, like how has that helped you and, and you know, kind of getting there? Like what, <laughs> what are some tips or some thoughts on that? Because I get that yeah. all the time. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I just learned it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's you say that. I, you know, Steve Jobs, his quote, he's always quoted for saying, sometimes we don't understand it until we look back, right? I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it's like, yes. I look at my early life experiences and see how they were very much orchestrated for the work that I'm doing now. And I was put into environments to hone particular human skill sets. And working in the restaurant business or hospitality industry, I, to this day, if anything, people facing in my business, I prefer to hire people that come from hospitality that did it for a while, right? Because you just naturally learn social, well, not necessarily, but more often than not, you learn social intelligence being in those environments for all the things you said. You're looking at verbal cues, nonverbal cues, you're picking up on energy, 
you get really good at figuring out the decision maker, right? As you're, if you're in the, the service industry or you're a server or a waiter, you go to a table, you just naturally figure out who the decision maker is, right? Who's the person that's going to pay the bill. You get to figure things out that make you more effective in reaching and communicating. I didn't think of it that way when I was a kid. It was like, well, this is a great way to earn money and come home with cash in my pocket every night. And I was naturally good at it. I enjoyed it. But looking back at it, I'm like, well, this was honing particular skill sets that I use every day of my life. And part of my business now, we have a business management training program where we bring in young adults. It's not really age related, but generally people are trying to make a pivot in their career or coming out of school and want to get real world experience. We bring them through our program and we, we go hard. Our focus in that program is on sales. It's a very similar structure, but it's really around creating human interaction and be effective at communicating, which is a lost skill set, it seems. As time goes on, we seem to be less and less effective as a community at communicating verbally and non-verbally in person, right? Human to human contact. And so we, we go hard on teaching those skill sets. And I love, with rare exception, usually people who come from the service industry or hospitality are already ahead of the game. We love them because I love the hospitality industry. I'll teach you a lot, but it's tough to make a living there, right? Like running a restaurant is not an easy business. And if you're a server and you don't even own the restaurant, it's even harder, right? There's like, you're going to cap out as far as where you can grow. And so we like the, the guys that did that while they were going to school or college who are now trying to make a professional pivot because they tend to transition very well. Anything people facing anyway. Absolutely. And I can't wait to get into your career trajectory because what you're doing now is absolutely amazing. And where, where you were as a kid definitely elevated you and orchestrated you to what you're doing now. But you mentioned drop in a couple of times, dropping into this life. And I can tell you're a deeply spiritual person. And one of the best phrases is that business is a spiritual game. Tony Robbins. Yep. And so I'm interested to hear your perspective and kind of your experience in that realm, because that definitely, I can tell, has played a huge role in who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, I guess maybe I, sometimes I say that too casually that some people don't understand what the hell I mean when I say that. But there are certain truths to me that are self-evident and certainly we can unpack to whatever degree you want to. But for me, I dropped in, as I say, or I came dropped into the third dimension with full consciousness that I was a spiritual being inhabiting a meat suit. I didn't contend with that in early life. I didn't have questions around the nature of reality in that sense, the origin of this world, my association to God. It was like a lot of times I think this is the one dimension as far as I can tell where part of the rules of dropping in is we drop in with the illusion of separateness. And it's generally one of the last that fall off when, when somebody, somebody becomes more conscious or more aware as, as separateness begins to fall away. I didn't struggle with that orientation much. I struggled more with how to engage with humans, which maybe is a, another discussion, but I didn't struggle with my orientation to where I came from. Separateness wasn't my issue. I had my own issues, my own work for sure, but it, separateness was not one of them, which has kind of always oriented my life. And so in a lot of early life experiences, I thought were very human, very normal. I didn't realize that I think all humans have the capability to do things like see auric fields or to see in energy or to communicate telepathically, which maybe is getting way woo-woo for our business audience. But nonetheless, I, I love it. <laughs> I do think humans have the ability to communicate and show up that way, but it's a skill that we have either forgotten or lost and we just don't use. It's like any other muscle. If you don't use it, it goes away. And so early life, I thought everybody saw things that way. And I was kind of shocked into a, a reality of no, like that there isn't 
not everybody sees things this way. And it wasn't until I was actually a, a young teenager that I ran into a, a Reiki master who helped me make sense of why not everybody saw things that way because I was actually at a fair of all places. And I was, I was seeing a, an energetic profile and I, I was commenting on it in my mind and I heard somebody comment on it out loud. At first I thought it was me. And I looked and this woman was seeing the same thing I was saying. I was like, you can see that? And so we got into a discussion and that opened up more doors for me. But yeah, so the, the drop-in infers that this is, I would suggest or offer to those who want to contemplate such a thing, that earth is a sandbox that we get to play in and we get to learn lessons in and experiment and, and get to enjoy the richness of life through many different variations of expression. And that is the work, right? And we all drop in for our own reasons. And, and so some are aware that they dropped in, some are not. And there's, you know, everybody in the spectrum. And I, I have fun participating with humans, however they show up, whether they, you know, believe that they are atheists or agnostic mm -hmm. or that this was all one big accident or they're deeply religious to whatever particular religion they want to subscribe to. I love connecting heart to heart with any of those different groups, but that's kind of how I showed up. I love that, Sebastian. I love that. And just your consciousness. I mean, listen, I, I was a kid. I was very similar to you growing up. Energetic field. I always believed in magic, I used to call it, but it's really energy, right? It's energy and it's been proven by science at this point quantum physics, many times all over. Of things, many times over, all of the things like, you know, psychics are not psychics. They're in fact prophets. You're just communicating the source. That's all it is. So, 100%. you know, yeah, we, we label it different titles like, depending on our frame of reference, but they're all the same thing, right? When you begin to get it, just certain titles turn people off depending on who your audience is. So, but you're right. It's all the same function. Absolutely. And it's just amazing to me that you had those gifts because Seeing somebody who's super successful in business and having similar experiences is super cool because this is how I want to know how it translated into your business career because you've been super successful in business. You're a business consultant among a whole bunch of other things. You're a coach, host of the F5 podcast, right? Yeah. 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 So you've got all types of incredible things that you're working on. So I'd love to just hear your career trajectory and how you kind of shifted and elevated to that space. I just love that your consciousness started at such a young age and you were able to embrace that and kind of take that in and pour it into your passion, which is business. And you're culminating the two, which I think is the most beautiful thing. So I sit here in full admiration of like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I, I love strategy, particular talents or gifts that I have tend to bode well in the strategy game because that usually can see many moves ahead and kind of see where things are going. So that certainly helps in business. Yeah. And I love the game, right? I love the game of business. I love games. I'm very curious. I'm very competitive, but in a, like a, a fun way, like I enjoy challenging myself. I enjoy growing. So those things are very conducive for me. I, I think my passion, hopefully it doesn't sound too cliche, but my passion is really people and creating uh, structures or frames or containers, depending on the world you come from, where people can potentiate and in that potentiation remember who they are why they're here so really a, to act as a signpost or potentially a navigator to help others remember why they're here and I think a lot of the work that I'm doing now is calling forth that energy in others and as I've gotten more aggressive into social media and gotten more committed to that it's deep calls onto deep and there's an energetic resonance or truth that's being spoken that is that people are resonating with and most of the time what I hear is you're putting to words things that I know to be true. I just haven't been able to express it, yeah. right? which is, 
that's it. Like, I don't really think there's no, there's new truth and you're not likely ever going to hear me, my signature to something and go, Oh, I'm the originator of this truth or this, I like that's mm-hmm. a silly concept, right? In my, in my world, like it's more just helping others remember. And then being in community that help others help me remember, right? Where we're unpacking and unlocking things together. And that's my passion. Business just happens to be a great frame for that for a number of reasons, because it has the tensions necessary for people to grow that has the structures necessary to challenge people, right? And so a gamifying growth is a really effective way of getting people to wake up, right? Because you, it exposes what you are. When there's pressure, what's in you gets exposed. Now we have an opportunity to deal with it. And that's all of us, right? And so how do we present ourselves? How do we deal with this? And so, you know, business is one of the mountains of influence and one that I'm certainly very keen on. But I kind of go back a little bit. I can was... Uh, Washington State, where I grew up, has a program where you can test into college while you were still in high school, which was great. As long as you test, I think your sophomore year, you could take the college interest exam. And if you passed it, you could, the state would pay you to go to college, which is sweet. So you end up with your first two years of school done, college with high school. And I'm a student for life. I'm obsessed with growing, but I wasn't a massive fan of academia for a number of reasons, but enjoyed growing and learning. Uh, where it was happening. But I ended up moving away from the peninsula, went to Seattle, worked as a recruiter, had some fun doing that, learned a lot, worked for Amazon, worked for a recruiting agency that worked for Amazon and worked for them directly. And then ended up deciding to move to California through a number of things that happened in my life serendipitously and ended up going to Bible college. So I ended up getting a degree in biblical studies and the Bible is still to this day, one of my favorite books for a number of reasons. But that was kind of my, my early, early kind of structures and frames, and then was constantly looking for ways to impact for everything for me is measured in impact. And so mm-hmm. Phoenix Consulting Group was born out of the last recession, the great recession, as we call it. And it was trying to create a, a home or a place where people could come that felt lost. And you probably remember this, like it was a pretty scary time for a lot of people. You know, they were trying to get jobs. Unemployment was in the double digits and people were scared and frustrated and they'd go to interview places and they'd hear, we're looking for people with experience. And they would say, well, how am I supposed to get experience if nobody will hire me, which right. is kind of a hopeless situation. So we built our business management training program where we, we brought people in, didn't really judge them based on their background or experience or education, but created really a game to help people grow and develop and a curriculum to help them do that. And 12 years later, we're coast to coast nationwide company. We have 300 employees working with some of the biggest brands in the, in the world and having fun doing it. But the goal, make no mistake, is, is impact. And it's much easier to teach truth in action than it is in words. Which is part of the reason why I stayed out of social media for a long time, because I was so busy tactically working in, in an analog world where it's like, I'm, I'm a practitioner of what I teach, right? I'm not, I'm right. not sitting and, you know, somewhere reading shit and then regurgitating it to others. Like I'm out beating on my craft and developing these skills. And you can, you can hear that in how I speak more often than not, when people hear me, it's not what they hear, it's what they feel. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a constant feedback that I get it's like and it's funny because I don't necessarily so far my content hasn't I haven't really got much into religious context I haven't really got much into spiritual context but those who have ears can hear right those who are of that realm can hear it in what I'm presenting and to me that's an effective way to preach and I think St. Francis of Anissi said you know preach at all times and if necessary use words Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's the work, right? When you show up energetically, you've done the work energetically, it shows up in how you communicate and people can feel what you're saying 
more than what you're saying. A hundred percent. That's how I met you. When I saw your content, I could feel that exactly what it is that you're saying. And I love, I love your journey. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with me. And, you know, basically you built your own startup to what it is now since the last recession. And I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. And then of course, the number one question is always like, how do you go? Like, how do you get out of those first three to five years that are so tough? And what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that have helped you elevate and now, which now you can get to a place to of impact and, and help the world and really truly live a passion? Yeah, those early life lessons for me around those things is pretty silly now when I look back at it, but for the sake of honest conversation and hopefully teachable moments for others, I genuinely believed in early life that a lot of success, there was something I didn't know. Like it was, a, and I'm obsessed with reading. So I was, I was constantly looking for more and more information to give me the competitive edge. And I can safely say knowledge is important, but 80% of winning in business is psychology. Your mentality, it's how you show up every day. It's how you're looking at the work that you're doing. It's the drivers behind the work you're doing. It's the value you put into the work you're doing. And so a lot of the, the coaching, and I don't do one-on-one coaching much anymore because it's tactically not uh, the opportunity cost is generally too high but in coaching that normally the first thing I'm doing is getting into someone's frame how are they looking at the world what what are they paying attention to what are their beliefs around success what are their beliefs around money what are their their beliefs around influence and the architecture around that is is subconsciously not like directing somebody's life. And so much of the, the entrepreneurial journey is really personal development. It's confronting those areas of your life that you're ignoring or not paying attention to. And there's not a lot of paths that will do that, right? If you go, you could go get a job and work for somebody else. And as long as you do minimally viable work, you can stay gainfully employed, at least in non-recessionary times. And you're not being challenged and you're probably not going to grow. You check in, you check out, you do your thing. So but early life, a lot of people that I loved that were doing well in business would always say things like, dude, you just got to work hard, keep the vision ahead of you, be super disciplined, have great habits. And I'm like, yes, yes, I know, I know. But what else? Right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, but what else? Because some part of me thought there was a magic formula or some secret sauce that I just hadn't quite figured out yet. And it's fair to say now it is those things. And nobody wants to hear that, right? We, we know this. It's like you have a, a friend you haven't seen in a long time and you see him like 30 or 40 pounds lighter. They've got a different energy about them. They're excited. And you're like, whoa, first thing you want to do is ask them what they did, right? As if we don't know what they did. And it's, it's, a, <laughs> right. it's a human tendency, right? We're like, I think some part of us is just praying they're going, you know what? I found this perfect little pill or I found this perfect little formula. And then when they're like, you know what? I just, you know, I started eating clean and work out a few times a week. And I just kind of pay attention to what I'm putting in my body. Then they're like, oh, because we <laughs> want it to be something else, right? It's like, ah, and it's the same thing with success. So when somebody goes, oh yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, work hard, work smart, be disciplined, stay focused, you know, say, say no to a lot of things that are distracting you. It's like, ah, I don't want to hear that. So give me something else. Uh, And then that's why I think so many people miss success because it really is found in those very simple things. And there is an element of luck to it, right? I think there's plenty of luck to go around. So I would never, I'd never, you know, work, have that work against me. It turns out, you know, when you put yourself in places where luck can show up, it tends to happen, but certainly there's an element of luck, but not so much that you should be discounting hard work or doing the right thing or, you know, discipline 
uh, and think you're just going to get lucky. That's not going to happen. And that concerns me because I read a stat five, five or six years ago that we spend more money on lottery tickets than books in our culture, which tells me we fundamentally believe the way we're going to bail ourselves out is through luck. And that just, that isn't it. Not on any level. Absolutely. Doing the work is always the toughest thing. Like yeah. you just said, it's like, we want to believe that there's this magic pill and these magic things that just happen. Right. But, but it takes so much grit. Like I remember I used to be back against the wall when I first started, like my middle name was overdraft. Like it was just like, I couldn't budget for jack shit i couldn't like figure it out and i was trying so hard and like the thing that got me through was being able to reach out to other people and ask for help i think that was like my magic wand and just say like listen uh i am really sucking at this you know talking to my coaches and stuff and i'm like what do i do like what do i do because the one thing that i think led to my success is my ability to allow the ego to come down and not say like hey i know it all right because a lot of entrepreneurs do and then that's how they really get themselves up against the wall but i was like hey listen I'm in trouble. Don't know how to do this. Can you guys help me? What did you do in this situation? You know, I'd have coaches be like, yeah, I've been there. I screwed things up. Like, here's how you get out. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, well, let's do that. You know, let's just do some more of that. And so it's just interesting. It's really interesting to see the trajectories, like you mentioned, and kind of how in business, there's so many different factors and so many different things. Right. But I think the ability to ask for help is a really, really, really big one. That was one of my biggest lessons in business. And like you said, doing the work is, is critical because I'm sure for you, when you first started Sebastian, it wasn't like you had these 300 employees and all of these clients. It's like, no, no, you're ground zero. Uh, one employee, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you scaled it out. And just your mantra of, of life and just your your mentality towards certain things. I definitely the reason why you've elevated the way that you've elevated. And so what has been your biggest lesson, would you say, in business and life and all of the things? There's a few pieces there. I want to go back to something you were sharing in your own journey because there's a lot of little powerful nuggets there. One, having coaches around you or mentors around you that can kind of accelerate your process by helping you navigate through lessons that you can learn quicker if somebody's helping you through it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I've done this, you know, avoid that mistake. I wish I could say that we were particularly good as humans at learning from other people's mistakes. I'm not sure that's actually true. It seems like a lot of us really do need to touch the hot stove to realize not to do certain things. But at least in theory, having mentors that can help coaches through that is, is important. And then recognizing another thing you said subtly, but important is recognizing what you're good at and what you're not good at and right. putting aces in their places. So hire people that play at things you have to work at like that. That's what they're really good at. And the Phoenix five podcast is that for me, it's the, I have a team of four really powerful partners that are all women and they're all badasses. We're moving into the time of Aquarius. The divine feminine is about to rise on a, on a powerful level, which I think is really important. But anyway, so I'm surrounded by badasses that, you know, that help make, Phoenix, what it is today and the synergy of those different strengths and they show up, everyone shows up with their own strengths really helps. And it's, you know, business is a team sport. And I, I certainly, I'm oriented towards it in that way, right? As, as far as community goes, as far as lessons, you know, I think I've had a lot of different lessons depending on the season of life. One is what I shared is like, is getting to work and trusting the process. I think I, I had a hard time with trust in the early days as it was oriented towards humans. And so that was part of my work is like, how do I show up in trust and loving trust? And so I, in fact, for a whole year that I, I was running my business, I was married, still am, had a nine month old, 
very tough time. 72 miles was away was my office, which is a bit of a drive and a, and a Jeep Grand Cherokee, just the way everything fell. And I, I was like, every morning when I would take a shower, I'd get out and write on the fogged mirror, trust, because I didn't really understand how it was. I, I knew in my heart, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I knew I was doing exactly what I was meant to. I just didn't understand, you know, consciously, I didn't understand how this was all going to get me to where I felt like I was going. And it was like 18 months later, I, I just broke down in tears and just got a complete download and release and then saw it. But I was like, fuck, 18 months, it would have been easy for me anywhere along that journey to bounce because just out of not being able to trust. So that season of my life, I was learning a few really powerful lessons, trust, surrender, let go and instant obedience, but not obedience in a subservient way, but an instant acknowledgement and alignment with what is like seeing what is and aligning <laughs> with it, right? Not fighting it. And those were early life lessons that had a early business lessons that were huge for me and really became part of the DNA of how I run business and part of my culture. And then next set of lessons are really around how to support the human being and hold them accountable in effective ways. So I, I went through this, this early stage of my business where I joke about it. Like I missed out on an opportunity, could have had Bravo come in and run a reality television show and it would have killed on Netflix. It could be Netflix rich right now because I, my business was growing like crazy. But if you looked at how I ran my business, it was more like running a hospital, not an army. Because I, I just believed I could just love everyone into being better people. And I wanted everyone to just be happy. And I wanted everyone to just feel loved and supported. And yeah. so- it was like running a freaking ministry. I, like, I would do morning meetings. We call morning meetings every day, which is like a wrap up for the morning. And I was just preaching at the guys, love and empowerment and strength. So they loved being in the environment, but I didn't hold anybody accountable. So, and this sometimes in the woo-woo world gets a little like edgy for them because I, like, I come from both sides and that can be hard, right? The woo-woo group has a hard time with it because there's an edge to me around discipline and focus and getting off your ass and getting work done. And sometimes the woo-woo crowd doesn't like that. They're just like, I'm just going to sit on my couch and shit's just going to fall. Know it, right? You're like, like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. They're so so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. Um, (laughs) And then you got the other group, which is like, fuck the woo-woo shit. I can't handle that. Just tell me what to do. I want to get after it. Give me a shovel or, you know, I'm going to get to work. So it's the marrying of those two worlds that that's the secret sauce. And in many ways, I would say that's the masculine and the feminine in a a perfect dance. And that's where I think we're moving into is that those two are going to come together and synergize in a way that we haven't seen for (laughs) multi-millennia. So I'm super excited about that. Anyway, neither here nor there. I didn't hold people accountable. And I just thought, well, if I just love them, if I just love them, they'll change. And I still believe that I, I don't actually fundamentally not believe that, but in business, where there is a scorecard and you are not running a nonprofit organization and you do have to win, right? Profit is one of those scorecards. You have to create standards and structures for what winning looks like. And it radically changed my business when I did that. We'd like hockey stick growth. And I just said, hey, I know the value I'm bringing to the table. And in order for you to participate in this environment, there has to be an equal exchange. And I'm a big fan of this. And sometimes this is hard for people to understand, but it's easy to back test the reality of it. My covenant relationships, if you will, are reciprocating relationships. There is an equal give and take in the relationship. If the relationship gets too far out of whack, where one is giving way more than the other, it creates karmic debt. Now, I think we're 
past an age of karma per sense, but karmic debt between individuals where just there's an energetic debt where one is giving way more than the other. Use whatever word helps you make sense of it, but there's just, it's out of balance. And when yep. it gets out of balance, ironically, my, my experience has been, it's not the person who is given the most that becomes resentful. It's the person that's given the least that becomes resentful because there isn't equality in the relationship and humans want to feel equal something in us deep in our being, which makes sense for not a lot of reasons. They want equality. They don't always understand how to get it. Right. And this is one of the areas where things can get very weird for people. And so reciprocating relationships, there is a give and take in the relationship and the relationships you, you generally value most have that give and take. Now it's like in kind, but it doesn't have to be the same thing. I have a reciprocal relationship with my 11 year old child, but it's not in money, right? It's not like, well, I pay for dinner one night, you pay for dinner, right? It's the love and the bond that we share is reciprocating. It's always not always the same energy, but it's like and kind in energy. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Energetic balance and karmic debt, like you said, it has to be restored. Yes. <laughs> and so that was a lesson. Maybe that got too woo-woo for my business people, but I had to oh, learn how to create that exchange where it was effective. And so my goal uh, maybe this sounds counter what I just said, but my goal in my business is to show up in such a way in which I'm always adding more value than I'm taking. No. But also there is a minimum standard of, of how you show up if you want to participate with me on that level. Right? And that has nothing to do with your value as a human being that has everything to do with how we show up together in partnership. Absolutely. My favorite question, which I was going to ask you, but you've covered so much was going to be if there was one thing that your older self could tell your younger self what would it be? Because you've got so many amazing lessons that I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's going to trickle it down. <laughs> yeah. I, for me, that one is pretty easy. I was really impatient, mm. really impatient. Like, again, this goes back to my six-year-old self had a conversation with my creator and I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm here. Let's do it. Let's get to work. Six. And so wow. I was frustrated at 21 when I wasn't already ruling the world. I say that lightly. I, I don't mean I, I don't have a desire per se to rule the world, but meaning I wasn't already fully optimized. I wasn't already fully at work. Right. I was. And there was like, man, there's all these lessons I still need to learn. So if I was to go back and talk to my 18 year old self or 15 year old self, I said, dude, slow down, smell the roses, be present. Now, that isn't me saying go be lazy fuck off. Who cares? That's not what I'm saying. But I was so driven by my, my mission that I missed out on so many present moments. And so I would have just said, yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of achievers usually can relate to that. Now looking back at it, I'm like, it's not a sucker's choice. I just right. didn't know that. And so I would have just said, simmer, be patient. And now I'm, I have a sense of urgency to my step, but I'm patient with the process. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not less certain of the outcome. I'm more certain of the outcomes than I've ever been, but I'm a hundred percent patient with the process. I'm enjoying the journey. Whereas early life, I wasn't enjoying the journey. I was trying to get to the destination. And that was part of my own work. And a lot of deep conversations with God, if you will, about like, yo, like we're doing this together. Like, this isn't your work. This is our work and chill the fuck out. Like there's nothing to prove here. Just let it manifest. You're here to be a, a conduit of sorts. So that was early life. I had, that's probably what I would have said. I love it. Sebastian, so in your world, what's up in the next like six to 12 months? What's Sebastian up to? Well, I'm really excited. I'm going to be offering for the first time a public course and class with access to group coaching with me 
hopefully will be done by the end of the summer. And the request for that has been pretty humbling. And to this point, the only way to get access to that is really to come work in my organization. And all of the content so far that I have been putting out on social media, and which is why sometimes people are like, why can't we see the people in the room? Uh, which I think is funny, but it's because it's private meetings with guys that I'm coaching in my business or small groups of business leaders. And so there's a certain anonymity that I'm protecting or just their own, they're doing their own work. So anyway, so all of the content is simply repurposed content from meetings I'm having internally almost every day, but we're about to create content that is specific and for social media or for the public, if you will, and using social media mostly as the modality. So I'm excited about that just from scope and reach, being able to impact more people and take you know, what I've learned in the last decade and really assimilate it in a way that can help more people win. Uh, and it's not, for me, it's not just business related. You know, I think business is, is important. I think being financially free is an incredibly important thing. There's many ways to get there, I think, but being financially free is important. But just as important to me is that people are emotionally free, that their, their emotional body is healthy, their spiritual body is healthy, that they're mentally healthy, that they're physically healthy. So, which, you know, in the social media world, you usually get coached not to do that. You're usually said to niche down because if you're, if you're trying to approach too many things, it's like, you know, jack of many trades, master of none, or it's like people don't know what to know you for. That's who I am. Like I'm all about all, all of the spokes and I, I rap in all of those different fields. So I'm going to be bringing that content uh, to the public in a more accessible way and probably won't be doing a lot of one-on-one coaching, but we'll be doing a lot more group coaching. So I'm excited about that. I'm working on the outline for my book. Hopefully we'll have that one done by the end of 2023. That's the goal. Then expanding my business. And we just started a venture capital arm of what we do so that we can start funding businesses that we think are, are making, are going to make a big impact in the world and are ecologically sustainable that have you know, people and profit in mind. I'm staunchly a capitalist simply because I haven't seen a system that works better, right? And But I'm not, I'm not like blind to why people are frustrated with capitalism right now. I'm like, I get it, right. a number of reasons. And I, I don't really blame capitalism. I mostly it's the, it's where humans are oriented right now more than the system itself. So, and, but I say that by saying like, I advocate strongly for capitalism simply because I have not seen a system bring the best out of people more than capitalism. Uh, yes. Which doesn't mean that it's a perfect system. It doesn't mean that it doesn't also bring the worst out of people because it brings what you are to the surface. And hey, if we come up with a better system as consciousness rises and more people can sustain a more ideological utopia of, you know, we all just kind of chill and enjoy life and let the machines work for us. I'm open to it. I just got to see it work. Right. <laughs> it's not where human behavior is yet. So when that happens, I'm super into it. Anyway, that being said, what frustrates me about capitalism right now is we have become so profit centric that we have totally forgot about people. Yes. And that disgusts me on more levels than, than I have time to get into right now. So I like, and I'm looking for businesses that are people driven and the whole human, right? It's not just about profit and not just profit for the guy on top. Now, as an entrepreneur, I fully understand why the guy on top makes as much as they do. Right. They, they put in the risk. They put in they're, they're the one working. They're the genius behind what they're doing in teams, of course, but they're they're a lightning rod for where they're at. So I'm not saying I do not demonize people who've had lots of success or think that somehow they just got lucky or they're entitled or the bullshit that I hear. But I don't have a problem understanding why a lot of people are like, hey, we can distribute wealth differently and more effectively and meaning we're, we're more oriented towards profit and people. And it's an and right. You can't go the other way because if it's 
all people and no profit, you start printing money to take care of the population. And well, that, that's fun. We've all seen how that works out in society. You got to do yeah. the business side of it too. So it's people and profit, but we can distribute that better. And so I, companies that are more into that, I'm excited about. And I think the scorecard for what winning looks like as a business is changing. And the companies that understand this sooner than later are going to have an edge over everyone else. So excited about that and really advocating or leaning more into that idea. And then I'm not much into politics. In fact, I generally loathe it, especially where it is in our society right now. But there's meant to be a healthy tension between social responsibility and personal responsibility. And it's not one or the other. And I think a lot of people that are engaging with me on social media have a hard time figuring out where I fall because sometimes I'm advocating for social responsibility and sometimes I'm advocating for personal responsibility. And, and generally the, the left side of the board is, is social responsibility or some version of that. Mm-hmm. And the right side of the board is personal responsibility or some version of that. And it's, you know, our forefathers knew what they were doing by creating a system where they put the tension in the middle you just got to work together to make sure we're not going too far in either direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many things that you mentioned, I'm just, I'm mind blown and I'm super excited about because really money only amplifies who you already are. 100%. That's not popular. As I found out when I said that there were those who weren't happy by that statement, but you're right. I've seen it over and over again. It does. It amplifies who you are because you have less restrictions to express yourself, which doesn't mean Money also affords you opportunities to grow and to change, right? So there is an aspect of that, but you see what happens if somebody gets a million dollars dropped in their lap. What what shows up is what was already in them. The money didn't change them. It just now with that limitation being minimized, oh, how do you what decisions do you make? Absolutely. Oh man, I feel like we could have discussions forever because you're so amazing and I love your mindset, Sebastian. Seriously. But you've got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate it. And happy to jump back on sometime or have you jump on our podcast too and yeah. these conversations because this stuff is near and dear to my heart. And I love talking about it. But you can find me on all social media at Sebastian Ingus, whatever your platform of choice is. Most active on Instagram and TikTok. I think it's a great platform and I kind of got talked into getting on it. But yeah, so TikTok is, uh, I'm pretty active on there. Instagram, S-A-B-A, not S-E, which a lot of people misspelled. Love it. Sebastian, thank you so much for being here today. You are an absolute rock star. Thank you. And I'm so, so grateful. Loved your story and all your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. Underdogs.